0: We are going to be in Genesis. Your leader James. Um Genesis chapter 15 tonight. It's the first one. Chapter 15. Verse what? The whole thing. Genesis chapter 15. Verse everything. Huh? Verse, everything. Verse everything. Um We good, Frank? I didn't do that. Let's see if Mallory was good. Yep. I don't know. We're just, we're having some uh, technical difficulties tonight, so we'll see. Yeah, it's nothing new. Um, maybe after the service we'll come all lay hands on the stage and maybe the, the demons will go. Um Franklin, cut that before you put it on the podcast. I don't want anybody to think we're weird. Um, To to what? I love snakes, but... Huh? What? Uh, Technology joke. I like it. Um, (laughs) All right, so tonight, like I said, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. Um, We're going to continue in our series about Abraham... Um, so last week, I think it was last week. Yeah, last week, last Sunday before we left for camp. Um, we talked about how Abram, he's still not Abraham yet. So y'all roll with me if I, ca- if I say Abraham because it's just a habit. Um, so last week we saw Abram. Um, he was in his, his part of the promised land. He was hanging out and he gets word that there's been this big war that has broke out. And these kings have come in and, and just wiped out. Um, all these towns and cities in Sodom and Gomorrah were a part of that. And unfortunately, in this conquest, his nephew Lot is taken captive by these kings. Um, and so he gets this news by a survivor of the war, and he, he's very troubled because that's his family. And he says, you know what, we, we've got to do something about this. So he wrangles up his uh, 300 or so men And uh, they go, and and guerrilla warfare tactics, you know, popping out in the bushes in the middle of the night, Um, and they attack these kings, and they end up defeating all of these kings, and they get Lot back. And uh, they bring all of the spoils of war back with them. And we saw that um, Abraham had a choice to choose between the king of Sodom, whose name meant wicked or evil king, and he had a, a choice to align himself with that king or the king of righteousness, Melchizedek. Um, And we see that Abraham was so full of faith and confidence in God that he didn't take any of the spoils of war with him. He gave them all back to king of Sodom and he tied the tenth of what he had to Melchizedek because he wanted to align himself in righteousness. He didn't want to align himself with the king of Sodom so that the king of Sodom can never say, I made Abraham rich. He didn't want any of his decisions or any of his actions to steal or rob the glory from God. And so Last week's message was about what are you aligning yourself with that is that is gonna pull you away or or bring you closer to God. You know, and and we we saw that it was culturally okay and acceptable for Abraham to take these things as a as a prize of war, but he knew that those things could steal the glory from God. And so we looked at, you know, what in your life that, that may be innocent or, you know, isn't really that bad in the cultural sense but it's pulling you away from God. So we talk about school, sports, friendships, relationships, um, video games, whatever it is that's in your life that that causes you to not have that relationship with Jesus that you need to have. What are you tying yourself to? And so my my hope and my prayer for last week was that you guys would lay those things down and that you'd walk out these doors with a, a full devotion to God, And that you would reevaluate your time and make sure that you were giving God the time and the energy and the, the love and devotion that he deserves. Um, and that was the last week. But this week, um, we see Abraham in this, from, go from this mountaintop experience to this valley very quickly. You know, just like the, the song talked about, that, that God is in both. And we're going to see how God was in both for Abram. Because after this huge, huge victory, God steps in. They start to have this conversation, and immediately Abraham goes from being this triumphant leader and this, you know, this hero who who rescued all these people to being upset and angry with God. And so tonight I want to look at their conversation. I want to look at how they talk back and forth, and I want to look at how Abram responds in his anger, and I want to look at how God responds to Abram as he's angry. Because I believe that as we look at how Abraham became a friend of God, that somebody that had that much faith to be called a friend of God, I believe that in this passage we can find how, it's, how, how we talk to God in times of trouble. And I believe in those moments it, we have a pivotal decision to make. Well, we have two options. We can either express how we feel to God which causes us to, to have freedom, to, to, to find out what God wants for our life. If we express it and we talk about it, we can find that freedom from being upset and bitter, or we can hold it in, which causes people to get bitter and people to get upset. And that's how people end up not pouring after God and, and running after him and, and learning and continuously growing because they'll have something that happens in their life where they get angry and they get bitter at God and they won't talk about it and they won't confess it. They won't go to God and pray about it. They just sit in their anger and their resentment and they wind up 30 or 40 years later looking back and still being angry at that one situation, never having grown past where they were. And that's a a possibility for each person in this room because bad things are going to happen. You can ask any leader in this room. I mean, some of the people that are in this room have gone through death, have gone through suicide um, thoughts, have gone through drug addiction, have gone through drinking, have gone through divorces, have have just gone through some bad situations that they never thought were going to happen. Bad things happen. And in those moments, it's our decision whether we're going to run to God or we're going to run away from God. And I, I believe that if we Look at how Abram handles this situation with God, that we can learn a lesson on how to communicate with God when we're in the valley. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read Genesis chapter 15. God, tonight I feel a little scatterbrained. I feel a little everywhere. You know, We're coming off summer camp, and you know, I had a golf tournament the next day, and then today was church, and I just I feel like I've not had a time to slow down and really let this scripture marinate in my heart. God, to to let it really, really have its full power rest in my soul, God. And so I pray that tonight, God, as I'm I'm teaching this scripture and as I'm teaching everybody else, God, I pray that you would teach me as well. God, that you would, would help me identify the areas in my life that I'm bitter and angry at you. You'd help me identify the areas in my life that I'm frustrated and and that I need to talk to you about so that I don't get bitter and I don't get frustrated and I don't stop seeking you in those areas. God, I pray that you would allow me to be passionate about the subject while also being passionate towards myself about what I need to do to be different as well. God, I I pray for the hearts in this room that are hard. I pray for the ones that have experienced loss and, and great grief. God, I pray for the ones that haven't had something go their way or have been waiting on a promise of God for a long, long time, I, I pray that, that you would allow them to hear this message. God, that they would, they would be moved by this message. Not anything that I've got to say, but everything that you've got to say through what Abraham and you talked about. God, as I just pray that you would move. God, and that you would, you would soften hearts. And God, we would leave this place knowing how to better communicate with you. Okay, so just speak. I I pray. Amen. Um, Chapter 15, verse 1 says this. It says, After these things, so after Abraham has triumphed, after he has told the king of Sodom that he doesn't want anything to do with him, um, it says, After those things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He says, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So you've got to remember that God had promised to make Abram this great nation. He had promised that he was going to make his descendants as numerous as the sands, but he had not had his first son yet. And so he'd been living for God, he'd been following God. He'd had the faith to move and go where he needed to go, and he'd been through these different situations. He'd been through war, and God had still not came through on his promise, and Abram's getting old at this point. Well past his uh, good child um, fathering years. I wouldn't say childbearing because he's a dude. That's not really how that works. Um, so in in humanistic terms, it's it, the clock is just about done. The the, the timepiece is almost run out of sand, and he's He's getting frustrated. And he says, you know, verse three says, behold, you've given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you were able to number them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted to him, Righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer, which is a cow, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half. And laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep, deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Ken- Kenizzites, the Cabmanites, the Hittites, the Persites, and the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. It's a lot of sites. Um, so that's a kind of a weird passage. He's talking about cutting cows in half and, and not cutting birds in half and flaming torches and bowls that are smoking, passing through stuff. So I just want to kind of break this thing down in, in, in steps. And I think what we, we really need to focus on first is where Abraham's at. Where Abram's at. So he's, he's won this, this great battle and God comes and says, you did good. You did good. Don't, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your possessions because he'd just given away a large fortune. He said, don't worry about anything. I'm your shield and your reward's gonna be great. And so God has kind of given Abram a, a little bit of a pat on the back and, and Abram kind of stops and says, you know what, God? I'm frustrated. I'm a little, I'm a little angry. I'm a little upset at you because you've, you've not given me the promise that you told me you would give. You've not given me an offspring. You told me forever ago, years ago, that you were going to give me a son and I've got, I've got nothing to show for it. So you say that my reward is going to be great and you say that you're going to be my shield and you say that you're going to be there with me, but you've not done anything to fulfill this promise. I've just been wandering around with my servants and, and, and Sarah and, and you've not done what you were supposed to do. And so in this, we, we see that Abram is is angry. He's frustrated. Anytime that you were bold enough to call God out and say, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's some anger, right? It's kind of a, a big thing, a big bold thing to say to God. He says, you, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm, I'm I'm at this point where I feel like I'm going to have to take this into my own hands. When he says that, that the, his heir is, is I don't want to mispronounce it, Eliezer, or however you pronounce it, of, of Damascus. This, this was a person that was a servant of his. his and, and in his culture, what you did if you didn't have sons is you would adopt your lead servant, somebody that was there, and you would give all your possessions to that guy. And he's, he's looking at God and saying, it's all of the things that I've all the things that you've given me, I'm not gonna be able to give to my, my own flesh and blood. I'm gonna have to adopt a servant and give it all to him. I'm gonna have to turn over everything you've given me to somebody that's not even my flesh and blood. And so he's, he's so, so upset. And he's angry with God. He's yelling at God. He's frustrated at God. He doesn't understand why God is doing what he's doing. And so a, a lot of times when, when, when I think about yelling at God, it's like, I want to yell at God, but then I also want to go cower in a corner because I feel like God's going to yell back, right? It's like, you don't, you don't go pick a fight with somebody more powerful than you right? Somebody bigger than you. Seems dumb. But in Abraham's anger, in Abraham's anger and his frustration, I I find it very, very interesting how God responds. If you look at verse 4, God doesn't yell. God doesn't scream. God doesn't fuss. God doesn't say, hey man, know your place. God's response is very, very gentle. He says, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And then in this vision, he brings him outside. And I I just picture this, this like fatherly presence with his arm around him saying, let's go take a walk. Let's go take a walk outside. And he's, he's in this vision. God says, let's go take a walk. And he, he walks outside and he says, would you look up at the stars for a second? Would you look up at the stars? This is not an angry, this is not an aggressive conversation. It's, look up at the stars. Now try to count them. Can you count them? Can you number all the stars that are up there? And if you can, that's how great your inheritance is going to be. That's how great your people are going to be. That's how, many, how much numerous your bloodline' is going to be. It's this soft, you know, tender moment between Abram and God. after Abram has just vented and let his heart out and, 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 and yelled at God, and I'm sure screamed, and he's, he's so frustrated because while everything is going around him, it, it seems to be good. at the very core, he's miserable. Because the one thing he desires the most, he can't have. He wants a child so, so bad, and he just can't get there. And in this moment, God wraps his arm around him and says, you know what, that's okay. It's okay to be frustrated, but let me remind you of the promise. Let me remind you of who I am. Let me remind you of what I've said that I'm going to do for you. And he tells him again his great promise and says that, I'm going to make your offspring as numerous as the stars. And then we have this this next verse, verse 6, and I think it's one of the most powerful verses in all of of the scripture about Abram. It says, And Abram believed, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So what you see here, and it's got so many different tentacles that come out of it, but I'm just going to focus on one. Abraham is angry, he's just yelled at God. God and him have this conversation where God has reminded him of his promise and Abraham believed. Now, I don't want you to get this misunderstood. Abraham believed, but I'm sure his frustration was not gone because you see him still arguing with God in the next verses. You still see him frustrated, but what I believe that it means when it says that Abraham believed, he says, okay, God, I'm still a little frustrated, but I'm going to trust in your plan. I'm going to trust in what you're doing. And it says that faith was counted to him as righteousness. And what that means is, as Paul talks about it later in the New Testament, that's what faith is. That's what true faith is. That's what faith and God looks like for us still. That's the faith that saves us. That's how we have righteousness. And so what I want want you guys to understand is Abraham's faith was not this faith that just believed everything at the drop of a hat. It was not this faith that didn't have questions. It didn't it wasn't this faith that, that Abraham never doubted or, or didn't have any questions or didn't have any emotions about he wasn't just this perfect robotic soldier of god that just walked in line everything he did he had questions he had doubt but he had said okay god i will go even though i have questions okay god i will move even though i don't understand okay god i will trust you to do what you promised me to do even if i have doubts that's faith It was okay that Abraham had questions. It was okay that Abraham didn't understand. All God required of Abram was that he continued to move. That's it. And it was that kind of faith, that level of faith, that version of faith that that made Abram righteous, that he was able to continue to walk. That he continued to have faith. And then God after he says, you know, all the things. He, God wanted to make sure he reminded him of all that he'd already done. So God promises him again. But then God didn't stop there. He didn't just say, look, I'm gonna do it. God says, I'm gonna do it, but, but I, need you to, I need you to remember something, Abram. He's, he's walking Abram through this process and trying to get him to understand. He says, I need you to remember something. I need you to understand. Remember what I've done. He says in verse seven, I'm the Lord that brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. He says, Remember what I've done for you. Remember that I have brought you out of here and I've taken care of you so far. And so he's walking Abraham through this pro- Abram through this process of, of being bitter. He's like, I'm gonna do it. And haven't I been faithful before? Haven't I been faithful before? Don't you remember when I've, what, I, what I've done so far? And, and he's showing him that he's been faithful in the past and that it's, he's given evidence that he'll be faithful in the, the future. And this is, this is why I think that Abram's still got some, some issues. Because in verse eight, we see Abraham's rebuttal. So he's, he's yelled at God, he's fussed at God, God's responded and says that he's believed, but Abraham's still not settled in his heart about this whole thing. He says, God, I, I believe you, but, which, you know, that's it's only half true if you say, if I believe you, but, well, then there's still some doubt. His response is, oh Lord God, how am I to know that I'll possess it? So Abraham said, look, I believe you. I believe that this is gonna happen, but I've been waiting a long time. I've been waiting a very, very long time. I need, I need some assurance. I need you to show me that I'm on the right path. I need you to actually step in and do something physical here so that I have some assurance that, that the direction I'm going is, is, is real, it's tangible. So Abram in this moment needs just a little bit of faith. He needs a little bit of evidence for his faith. He needs him to, to he needs a physical example to know that God is. Is there for him, and then God does something. If you just read it, it's a little weird, but if you know the culture, it's not that weird. So, what he does is uh, God's response to Abram needing proof, needing some evidence, needing something to really ground him in that faith is He says, "All right, this what I want you to do? I want you to get three cows. Oh no, a three-year-old cow. Sorry, a three-year-old goat and a three-year-old ram." And what they would do is they'd lay them out and they would cut them in half, which is gross. Let's just be real, it's gross. And then two birds. I'm assuming one on each side. I'm not real sure because they didn't cut them in half. So I would think, you know, a turtle dove here and a pigeon here. But so they've got these dead animals that are laying in front of them with this small little path that leads in between them. And it says that after he'd done that, he waited and he waited and the birds came. So Abraham had to be patient in waiting for God's example. It waited so long that bur- the, the smell had started to happen and then like vultures had come and they were trying to eat the, the, what God was doing and, and Abraham tried to drive them away. And then it says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. And then the Lord said, know for certain that your offsprings will be sojourners in the land. He kind of goes in and gives what's going to happen, how his people are going to possess this land. He talks about the slavery in Egypt, which is what that's talking about. That They're going to spend 400, which is actually like 430, but 400 is that rough kind of estimate in a land that they don't belong to, which is Egypt, and then they're going kind to of come out of it. Um, and that he is going to, that Abram's going to live at a ripe old age. He's going to be buried with his father. So he gives all these promises about kind of the future. He, God lays out the plan. God lays out what's going to happen. And then it says in 17, it says, "When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between those pieces." And when I read that at first, I was like, "All right, what is that?" What is okay, you just read that straight. Abram is chilling. It's dark outside. There's rotting animal flesh in front of him, and then all of a sudden, a smoking pot and a torch pass through. It's weird, right? Anybody else think that's weird, strange? And so I got to looking, I got to digging about what that actually means. And in the old days, in Abraham's days, in his his culture, this was a sign of a pact. And what they would do is they would split these animals in two, and then both parties would walk through the animals in this little path. And what this signified was both of them were agreeing that if they broke the covenant with each other, that what was happening to these animals would be what happened to them. So they're passing through these animals and it was just saying that if I break my vow, if I break my ba- vow, you can slaughter me in the exact in the same manner that these animals have been slaughtered. So this is extremely big. This, I mean, it's not no pinky swear. I mean, this is like legitimate. I give my life as an example. And the, the thing is, is if me and James made this kind of pact, I would walk through and James would walk through that signified that we both were partakers of this covenant, this promise. Well, if you read here, only the smoking pot and the fire went through the, fl- went through the, the path. And as you read further on, if you look in Exodus, God is symbolized as smoke as he, was, he led the people of Israel in the wilderness by a cloud, a giant pillar, a cloud and a fire. And so these two things represent that God walked through that sacrifice. God was the one that walked through, and it could have been in the vision, because vi- he's kind of in a deep sleep. He could have, it could have been this smoking pot and this fire, but it was all to say that God alone walked through this covenant pro- promise. Abram didn't have to do anything. And what God is saying is, look, this covenant, this promise has nothing to do with you. The only one that's, that's got anything on the line here is me. I am willing to lay my life down and, pr- and show you that I'm willing to lay my life down if I'm wrong. And you don't have to do a thing in this promise. All I need you to do is, is keep doing what you're doing. The rest of the promise, the rest of the stress, the rest of all of everything, the, the, the weight of this promise is solely on me. And it's my life that's on the line if I don't come through with it. It's my life that's on the line if I don't, if I don't make good on this promise. It's all on God is what, Abram, is what God's showing Abram. You don't have to do a thing as long as you keep following me. I'm not requiring anything of you but to trust me and I will do the rest. And Abram wakes up and we'll get into the rest next week of the story, but... What God is saying here is, Abram, I need you to understand. I know you're frustrated. I know that you're upset with me. I know that none of this makes sense. But one, I I need to remind you of, of the promise. And then I need to remind you that of all the things that I've already done, I need to remind you of the fact that I'm the one that's led you through all this. And as proof, as evidence, I'm going to give you this vision of me making this promise to you, a promise that, that is relatable to you, that a promise that, that is, is something that you understand. I'm going to come and I'm going to give you this vision of the fact that the promise is all on me as evidence of that promise. God does a great deal of work to assure Abraham that he's exactly where he's supposed to be. And they have this conversation and, and and God soothes Abraham's mind and his soul and he gives him these promises to make sure that he stays on the right path. It goes from Abram being angry with God to Abram understanding that there was a bigger picture at, at work. There's more that was going on that Abraham needed to just trust God and, and wait. And so... As I, as I took this story as a whole and I, I tried to wrap my mind around it, God started to speak to me and said, the way that me and Abram had this conversation is the exact same way that I want you to have a conversation with me. To be real, there's a lot of times in my life that I'm very angry at God. I'm frustrated. I don't understand why things happen. I don't get it. I don't get why it took... 40 years for my dad to get saved. I don't get why all the stress and the chaos happened in my family. I don't get sometimes why me and Olivia fight and we don't see eye to eye. I don't understand why I've given my brother the gospel over and over and over again and he rejects it. I don't understand the fact that there's some of you guys in, in here that have lost people they should have never lost. I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't, I don't know why those things happen. And sometimes it makes me angry at God. Sometimes it makes me furious with God and I don't wanna do this anymore. Or, or why, why is it that I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing a great job as a youth pastor? Why isn't God showing me more? Why aren't more people getting saved? Why isn't the ministry growing? I, I have these thoughts in my head. Or, or why is it that, that some people in the congregation don't understand how hard I'm trying? Why, why is that the case, God? Why are you putting me in a situation where I feel like I'm failing? I have anger towards God and I have a choice. I can quietly hold on to that anger and get bitter and get slowed down and and, and put weights on me that don't need to be there. Or I can talk to God. And in this, as God was was revealing this to me, God was like, I need you to just talk to me. I need you to just let out what what you're dealing with. Do you not think I'm tough enough and big enough to handle you yelling at me? Here's the thing. I know your heart intimately anyways. So anything that's in you, anything that's in your mind, anything that you've thought, anything that you're dealing with, I have a first row seat to it. The time that you're saying how frustrated you are and even slipping out some cuss words sometimes because of how frustrated you are, I see that. I see you not wanting to get up and and go do what you're supposed to do. I see that. I see how fake that smile is on your face. I see how ingenuine that response was. God sees it and God says, you don't understand. I've already seen your anger. I've already seen your frustration. I've already seen the fact that you don't understand. You're not going to shock me with anything that you have to say, but I can't do anything to help you until you actually start to talk to me and actually get it out. And so he told me, if you need to yell, yell, scream, do whatever you've gotta do, cry ugly cry, get the snot going, whatever you need to do. But I need you to talk to me. And then I need you to understand how I'm going to respond. Because a lot of times I get to this place where I feel like if I do something wrong, God's going to smite me or he's going to punish me or my whole day is going to be ruined. And I'm just, he's like, he gives full reign to the devil just to mess with me. That's not how God works. And God showed me that he's a look at how i responded to abram as he questioned the way i was doing things as he questioned what i had going on for him he questioned the very the, the very genuineness of my promises and how did i respond i responded by giving him this vision of me and us walking in the coolness of the evening and looking at the stars and that reminded me so much of me and my grandpa i used to walk outside i'd spend the night with him on the farm and it was it was clear and it was beautiful and there was not a whole lot of lights and we'd walk out and my grandpa would show me constellations He'd have his arm around me, and we'd be looking at the stars, and he said, you know how sweet those moments were? That's how I'm going to respond to you. That's how I'm going to respond. I'm going to throw my arm around you, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be okay, and I'm going to remind you of what I've already promised that I'm going to do through you. And then, as you have more questions, I'm going to promise to show you where I've been in the past. I'm going to remind you of all the times that I've been faithful. And then when you need some sort of proof to keep you going on, I'm going to give you a little something to keep going. And it may not be dead animals and a smoking pot and a torch, but I'm going to remind you, I'm going to have somebody come up and encourage you, or I'm going I'm to do something in your life to reassure you that you're on the right path. And as I think back, every time I've been frustrated, every time I've had a hard time, something amazing has happened right after it. If I've prayed and asked God, Y'all didn't know this, but before the summer camp, the day before, we got a phone call that said we owed $3,000 on a place that we already assumed that we'd already had bought and paid. And we were about this close to having to cancel the entire trip. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and I was so frustrated. we were so close, and you guys were so excited, and we'd done so much work to get everything together. And then it turns out it was a it was a or a clerical issue on his end. He was super okay. And I said, God, why would you put this in front of us when you know I'm trying to prepare? And then we go on this trip and it was fantastic. The mission trip happened the exact same way. And as I pray and ask God and share my frustrations, he says, just wait, I'm going to show you that what you're doing is the right thing. Or I've had situations where I felt like people in my life just weren't getting it, would not understanding what I was trying to say and they break through in ways that I'd never expected. God said, you are on the right path. Just like he reassured Abram, he wants to reassure us. You see, God is not in the business of beating his children down when they rebel. God's in the business of softly and sternly getting them back to the place and loving them through where they are. He knows where you struggle. He knows where you're angry. He knows where you're frustrated. He knows where you feel lost. For those of you that, you know, we talked about spiritual gifts and purpose this week. He knows those of you that are frustrated because you can't figure out what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And he's begging you. He's begging you tonight and he's begging you constantly, talk to me. I want so desperately to reassure you. I want so desperately to speak to you. And I guarantee you that God wants to speak to each person in this room far more than we want to hear from him. It's not God that's quiet. It's us. It's not God that that doesn't want to talk to us. It's us putting these walls up because of our emotions and because of the way we feel. And we refuse to talk to him. He's going, I'm right here. And I desperately want to speak into your life. I desperately want to show you what I have for you. But it's on us to have the kind of faith that Abram had. I don't understand. I don't get it. But I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to trust that you've got it in control. And then God says, I will do the rest. That's what the promise to Abram was. I will do the rest. It's all on me. It's all on me. I've got everything in my hands. You don't have to worry about anything. And so what he's telling me, he says, you know what, Tyler, sometimes you're frustrated about the the ministry that you've been put in charge of. Sometimes you don't get how it's going to work. Sometimes you don't understand why people are negative about it. Sometimes you don't understand why there's, there's not this explosive growth. But he says, all I need you to do, all you're responsible for is continuously pouring into these people and growth will happen. That's not on me. It's not on me. I don't have to do that part. God is in charge of that part. So you that are struggling with your, with your calling, all you have to do is tell God, yes, that you'll go wherever you want to go. And then it's on God to show you what he wants you to do. You don't have to manufacture anything. Those of you that are worried about salvations of friends or, or don't understand how bad situations have happened in your hand, God says, just trust me. I've got something bigger for you. All you have to do is trust him and he'll handle the rest. You've got to have a conversation. You've got to be able to get out what you actually feel. And and I'm going to pick on my wife for just a second. She does this the greatest of anybody I know because she will literally walk around the house yelling at the roof, getting out her emotions and getting out her, because that's why she talks to God. Her prayer life kills mine because she's raw and she's emotional. She doesn't come to God with, with, with any, you know, false mindsets about how he listens. She's just like, all right, dude, you got to do something. I'm frustrated, I'm mad, and I can't handle this. So if you don't step in, I'm going to lose it. And then God, through those conversations, calms her down. Am I not right? That's what God's begging all of you guys to do tonight. Be real with the Father that knows you're real more than you know his real, you're real. He knows who you are. He knows what you're frustrated about. And tonight I believe that he is begging, begging you to just talk to him. He wants to be the Father that wants to reassure you and guide you and show you where He's been and give you proofs that you're on the right path. But if you don't ever get real with Him, He can't ever get real with you. So I know there's a lot of you that have questions. I know there's a lot of you that have things going on in your mind. And as Blake and Franklin come up to sing a song that they weren't prepared to do, but I'm going to put it on them at the last second because that's what they do. I'm going to ask that you guys stand. Stand. And I'm gonna ask you guys to do something for me tonight. I'm gonna ask that if that's something that's on your heart, a frustration, uh, um, a thing that you don't quite understand or you've got you've got some bitterness towards God or some resentment towards God, I pray that tonight would be the start of your conversation. I pray that as as Franklin and and Blake play whatever they play, that you would start the conversation tonight here at the altar in your seat or with somebody else and you would start to get out these emotions about how you feel about God. And even, even if you don't even know where to start, say, God, I'm, I'm lost, I'm drained, I'm empty, I'm numb, and I don't know where to start, but all I know is I can't live like this anymore. All I know is that I can't continue the way that I'm continuing because me and you don't have the relationship we have and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do. Start tonight because Abram turned into Abraham and he became a friend of God because of his faith and the way that he handled things and we need to look at his example and one of his examples was he started a conversation with God when he was frustrated and God reassured him through it so if we want to get to the place where we have faith like Abraham he's in a scripture called the hall of fame of faith I mean don't get any better than that if you want that kind of faith for your life if you want to see God move in your life It starts at the altar. It starts with conversation. It starts with believing that God wants to speak to you and guide you in your life. So tonight, as they play, let this be the time that you start the conversation that you've been needing to have with God for probably a long time.